Do we have, there's a few things in life that I like to study, um, very few actually. Uh, um, theology, ministry, obviously I do enjoy studying those things. The Bible I enjoy studying, but I also like to look and study history. Is there any other kind of history guys and ladies here? A few? All right, so I'll have to be careful. There's enough of you to be able to tell if I'm lying or not when I talk history stuff, but, um, or making things up as I go. But I love reading about history. One of the reasons I love, just quite frankly, is uh, wars and battles fascinate me. And uh, that maybe it's good, maybe it's bad, I don't know, but I enjoy reading about the different battles and the different commanders, the good and the bad, right? And there's lots in our country we can look back like George Washington and see how he was this strategic and motivational leader, and he's just a farmer, but uh, to, to read about some of the battles that he won that he should never have won, and, and there's many others like him that we can go and study and, 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 and see what they had done and, and some great, great victories. But as many as there are good, there are probably more who were bad and who had failed miserably. Uh, World War II, we have a lot of both, right? We have a lot of the good who have had victories when they, when they shouldn't have, and then we have a lot of the bad in World War II as, as well. One of the famously bad leaders, as, especially early on in World War II, is Joseph Stalin. You see, Stalin, of course, a leader in Russia, one of the first things he does when he takes power is he completely depletes his military. Something like out of every 10 commanders, I think he drops it down to two or three. And he just shrinks the military dramatically. And then to top that off, when he hears of the, the possibility of an invasion coming from Germany, he completely doesn't believe it. He doesn't believe that he has an enemy in Germany. He doesn't believe that Germany would be, uh, um, they would ever attack the soil in, in Russia. And we all know, of course, what's going to happen. Germany does indeed attack Russia. In fact, Stalin so much didn't believe that they would, when he heard report that German soldiers were on Russian soil, he still didn't believe it. And because of his disbelief of having an enemy, because of his Ill um, being ill-prepared to face a foe such as Germany, because of those things, the next six months would be the deadliest in the history that we know of of mankind. Over six million uh, Russian military casualties and millions more civilians died in six months. Because he didn't believe he had the enemy and he was ill-prepared to face him when he did. Friends, I believe and I'm afraid that the church has been making some of the same kind of mistakes Joseph Stalin made. I'm afraid that we have lost sight of an enemy. That in a lot of ways, we don't even believe he exists. And he is an on full-on attack, and we have been caught unaware and ill-prepared. We have let down our defenses and not taken our enemy seriously. I believe Peter, in this 1 Peter in our text today, was worried that that could be something that might happen. And he issues the warning that we're going to read in 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 8-11. through 11. As you turn there, let me open in a word of prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, God, thank You for this day. Thank You for the baptism and the new life that it represents. God, this is a, this is a heavy subject in a lot of ways. Talking about spiritual warfare. God, I'm afraid that myself included that we just go about as Christians in our lives sometimes completely unaware of an enemy that is set to destroy. And here we find ourselves in a situation where our enemy has invaded. 
And God, now we turn to you. We turn to you for our instructions so that in you and through you we might have victory. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. 1 Peter 5, starting in the chapter, I'm sorry, starting in verse number 8 through 11. Be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. Resist him, firm in your faith, knowing that the same kinds of suffering are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world. And after you have suffered a little while, the God of all grace, who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself confirm, strengthen, and establish you. To him be the dominion forever and ever. Amen. Friends, we have an enemy. He is crafty. He is uh, relentless. And we at the church, I'm afraid, have been sleeping. Not taking, taking seriously the threat of an enemy, the reality of an enemy who is set to destroy us as individuals and us as a church. And because of our sleeping, because of us being unaware and ill-prepared, he has taken some ground. Our enemy has a mission, and it is this. It is for us to think contrary to God's word and thus be disobedient to his will. He's sneaky about it. He just, he, he, he just takes the truth, and he goes a little bit from one side or to the other. So much so that oftentimes we don't even notice until we get further down the road. And our country and our churches have been led astray. We have watched, I think, the enemy take ground over the last few generations. And we wonder why. Why, Lord? What is happening? And we so desperately want to see change. We so desperately want to see victory. We so desperately want to see the kingdom of God expanded in our lifetimes. But our enemy keeps pushing forward. And we ask the question of our text this morning, how will we defeat this enemy now that he has come to our territory, now that we are realizing his, his reality and the danger that comes with it? The first thing is this. We must remain, or I would say become, vigilant. Peter says, be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. This word, your adversary, is Greek for the, the legal opponent in a lawsuit. You see, our enemy, we know this from Scripture, he is a, the great accuser of the brethren. He is accusing us to one another. He is accusing us to ourselves, and he's accusing us to the God the Father. This is what our enemy does. And oftentimes, as individuals, we listen to those accusations, especially about ourselves, don't we? You can't do that. You can't really follow God. You're going to really share your faith after the life you've lived? Those are the kind of things our enemy accuses us of. And by doing so, oftentimes we push back and say, you know what, you're right. I've made lots of mistakes. I'm not perfect. Who am I? I'm a hypocrite. Or maybe he's accusing your brothers to you. They don't really like you that much. They probably are talking about you. You know, when he said this or she said that, you really didn't have good motives. Instead of realizing that these are accusations coming from a, a, an enemy, we buy into them. And it stalls the progress of the kingdom of God and the church in our day. 
Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion. Peter says to be sober-minded, to be watchful. In other words, don't let your guard down. We are under a current attack. We are under a current attack, and we cannot let our guard down. What has happened to the church in the last couple of generations? Many of us have, have, have descended from European countries, and you look at where the church used to be in Europe. It's now a shadow of its former self. In many countries in Europe, you, don't even, you can't even tell Christianity exists. And now I'm afraid the same is becoming of America. Where it's hard to tell that Christianity exists. We need to be sober-minded, be watchful. We need to not let our guard down. I'm afraid we have, but it's time today to stand up, to rise up, and be vigilant. Our enemy tirelessly seeks to exploit us in our weaknesses. We all watch Nat Geo and watch the lion and as they're going after the prey and what they do. They're looking to find the young, the vulnerable, the weak, the sick. They're looking to exploit the weaknesses, and that's exactly what our enemy is doing. He's looking for the weaknesses both in the individual and in the church corporately, and he looks to exploit them. I've, I've watched too many people whom I've loved and respected get taken out by the enemy because they weren't standing on guard. They were ill-prepared to fight back when the enemy came. When the enemy came and exploited the weaknesses. These weaknesses are often our besetting sins or those sins that we continue to go back into. Believing that for some reason we just can't have victory over them. That was a good catch. Anybody see that? These besetting sins that keep taking us out, keep making us believe that we can't be, be on mission for the kingdom of God. Thinking that for whatever reason we just won't have a complete victory over these besetting sins until one day when we're in glory. Can I tell you, Jesus already has the victory and in Him you too can have victory over that sin. How do we have victory over this sin? We bring it from the darkness into the light. We can't keep going home, getting on Facebook and clicking on that image, and then coming to church on Sunday and thinking everything's okay. As long as we allow that sin to remain in a darkness, as long as we allow that sin to be unconfessed, the enemy has you in, your, in a stronghold. And because of that stronghold, we are ineffective in our mission for the kingdom of God. It's time for we as the church to be able to trust one another enough to come and say to our brother and our sister, I am struggling with this or with that. Moving that thing, that sin, from darkness into life. Knowing that when we come to one another and confess our sins, that we can trust that that's where it's going to stop. That I'm not going to go and, and talk to Brother Luntrell. I don't know if he's still in here or not. Maybe I shouldn't talk about him. Uh, oh, there you are. In the front row where I can't find you. <laughs> I have to be able to know that I can go to Brother Luntrell and say, man, I'm struggling with this thing. Can you pray for me, man? I just, I want victory over this today. I need to be able to go and do that and know that Lentrell's not actually going to go over to Cy and say, hey, Dr. Cy, man, Pastor Dan's got some really big stuff he's dealing with. I'm not going to tell you because that would be gossip, but let's pray. That's still gossip. I need to know when I'm talking to my brother Lentrell, it's just between him, me, and the Lord. 
And something happens, by the way, when I'm able to confess in freedom of my sins. You see, my brother then feels free to confess his sins. And together we grow stronger. And we are now going to be prepared to fight our enemy and to face the battle. You see, the enemy's strength is in our silence. The enemy's strength is in us being okay with allowing our sin to remain in darkness. He wants to take us out and he's going to exploit us in our weaknesses, both individually and corporately. He will do everything he can do in his power to divide the church. It's a strategy we all know if we're looking at a battle. What a a better way to defeat your enemy than to divide it. There's strength in unity, right? We all know this. The enemy, though, he loves to divide the church. And friends, we make it so easy for him. We argue about the silliest things that have no real internal value at all. While the enemy is wiping out our friends and neighbors, we argue about things like the color of a carpeting and divide over the, the, the we, we become so easy to divide. We believe the lies of the enemy. One of the lies that I keep hearing over and over right now is based on our color, we, we may hate one another. This is untrue. Now, I'm not saying that racism doesn't exist. It absolutely exists. But as a Christian, as a Christian indwelled by the Holy Spirit, what I find to be natural is when I come across another Christian indwelled by the Holy Spirit, there's an instant bond from the Spirit of God. We cannot allow ourselves to be divided. Our enemy has a strategy. And we see it playing out. In their book, Biblical Doctrine, John MacArthur and Richard Mayhew point out our enemy's primary strategy in his war against the church. See, it's important to know when we have an enemy what, his, what the enemy's strategy is going to be so we can defend ourselves against it. First one is this. He wants to distort or deny the truth of God's word. He wants to distort or deny the truth of God's word. Now, we're seeing this happen repeatedly right now and it's because of false teachers who have invaded the church and we as a church have made it so easy for them to do it do we have any medical professionals in here i'm just everything's okay i'm just one (laughs) guess some medical professionals right now i know my my friends who are doctors and nurses and all are getting so frustrated by all of the google people who are practicing medicine right so all you got to do is i really want to believe this so I'm going to Google this sentence, and I'm going to find somebody out there who's going to back up what, my, what I'm thinking, right? Yeah, you don't need any kind of scientific degree or anything like that. You could just make a really cool speech, and people are going to say, that's what I've been saying. And we post it on social media and on and on and on. Well, I don't feel very bad for you, medical professionals. This has been going on in theology for a long time. The Google theologians with no training, with no expertise, read something somewhere and they make a a fancy video and everybody's like, see, I told you. The enemy wants to distort and deny the truth of God's word and he's using false teachers and and a a generation with itchy ears. They want to have our ears tickled, that we want to hear those things that we want to believe to be true. We're making it easy for the enemy to distort and deny the truth of God's word. Secondly, he wants to discredit the testimony of God's people. How does he do it? 
Well, we make it easy on them again, as long as our sins are in the darkness. Because when our sins are over here in the darkness, he has that stronghold, and he's going to continue to remind you that you are not worthy. Or worse, he's going to take you out because you're going to trip up and fall into public sin and take yourself out and your credibility out. I've watched it happen too many times to people who I respect that I know love the Lord. Because that sin just remained in darkness, it festered and grew, and grew to the point where it was no longer, you were no longer able to deny it. You see, the thing about the sin in the darkness, it's going to be exposed into the light. It's going to be brought into the light. But before it is, we have the ability to manage that a little bit and break free from the stronghold. Next, he wants to depress or destroy a believer's enthusiasm for God's work. Depress or destroy a believer's enthusiasm for God's work. He takes the current events and the things that are going on in the world and he gets us off guard or he gets us to, to, to forget about what's really important and we, we start to focus on the things that aren't important. And when we do that, it, it destroys our enthusiasm for God's work because we're so worried about other things. I would say that that's probably true in America today. He also wants to dilute the effectiveness of God's people. Again, one of his primary ways of doing this is by dividing the church. We cannot let that happen. We cannot let that happen. We, friends, are in this thing together. Bound by the Holy Spirit of God. On mission all of us, all of us, imperfect people with our own struggles, with our own temptations, with our own failures. Every one of us, whether we're congregant or if we're on staff, every one of us. We need to stop putting up the show. Stop coming, battling all week and coming in with a smile and acting like nothing's wrong. Because there's stuff that's wrong. There's things that we need to have victory over. And those are the conversations that we need to have with one another so we can spur one another on into righteousness. And as we do that, we get to see how God is going to use us in incredible ways. We all want revival in our community. We all want to see what's going to happen when everybody in Mansfield puts their faith in the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We'd all love to see that. And as much as we want to see that, we keep getting our eye off the prize, being distracted by the sin in other people's lives while we're not removing the plank in our own eye. We have to deal with the sin in our own hearts. He wants to dilute the effectiveness of God's people. If we want to defeat our enemy, we must become and remain vigilant, and we must resist him. We must resist him. This word resist, here we resist the enemy. Uh, Peter says, resist him, firm in your faith, knowing that the same kinds of suffering are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world. This word resist means to stand up against. To stand up against. To stand firm in our faith. This is proactive. This is how we defeat our enemy as we stand up against him, firm in our faith. We don't defe defeat him by some just uh, some sentence that we say. Just some magic words. It's standing firm in our faith. We must take action. We cannot just sit around and wait on the enemy, not believing he even exists. We must prepare for battle. 
This isn't make-believe. This isn't fairy telling. This isn't pretend. There is a real battle going on. And that battle is for our souls and for the souls of those people around us. And we are right in the thick of it. Listen to Apostle Paul's words to the church in Ephesus. Many of us know this. Some, many of us have this memorized about the armor of God in Ephesians 6, 10 through 18. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. And having done all stand, to stand firm, stand therefore having fastened on the belt of truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness. And as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish the flaming darts of the evil one. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, praying at all times in the Spirit, with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. It's a text that if you've been coming to church for a while that you're probably pretty familiar with. But how soon do we forget the reality of it? We get our eye off the prize. We get our eye off the main thing. And we start to think we're battling against one another. Realizing that this battle is bigger than just flesh. This is a spiritual battle against the authorities, the rulers, the cosmic powers of this present darkness. Against what? Spiritual forces of evil in heavenly places. This isn't a Republican and Democrat battle, friends. This is a spiritual one. And it's bigger than any election that we will ever see. Ever. And it's real and it's happening right now. And we're not prepared, I'm afraid. We also need to remember that we are not alone in this battle. That we are not alone. We have one another. Peter says the same kinds of suffering are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world. I would add even of all times, the Christians. This is not unique to you and I, this battle. The enemy has been wanting to wipe out Christ's church since it has become from the beginning. We are not alone. And just because so far we have been ill-equipped and ill-prepared, and I'm afraid that we've been caught and surprised that our enemy is actually attacking us, just because all of those things have happened doesn't mean that we are going to be defeated. As a matter of fact, in Christ we will have a victory. In Christ, we will have a victory over our enemy. In Christ, we will have victory over those besetting sins. Because the power of God that is within us is the same power that rose Jesus from the grave that brings new life to us as believers. Christian, we must become willing to go and share our struggles with one another, our burdens. This is one of our primary uh, weapons in this spiritual battle is confession. If we want to see our nation change, if we want to see God's kingdom to come in our day, it starts in our hearts. That's where this begins, is in our hearts. We, not, we have to do it together. When we remain vigilant, when we resist our enemy together, we will one day receive our reward. 
Peter continues, and after you have suffered a little while, and there will be suffering and a resistance, the God of all grace who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ will himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. To him be the dominion forever and ever. Amen. There will be a reward, and we're not going to belabor this point because this whole series that we're in, as we've been looking at First Peter, there's been themes that have kind of been a thread, a common thread throughout, and one of them is suffering temporarily. But, we, but it is important to remember that suffering is just that, it is temporary. That this, is just a, this life is a blink of an eye, but we are eternal beings, and we will receive our reward. You see, in Christ, we will have victory. In Christ, we will have victory no matter who the president is, who is in the Senate and who is in the House. We will have victory in Christ. And these present struggles will seem like a distant memory when we stand before God in His glory. In Christ, we will have victory. And it will be God Himself who will restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish us. God himself, the creator of this universe. Ladies and gentlemen, if 2020 has shown us anything, it is that we are in constant attack. And I'm afraid that we were ill-prepared for it. We look at what's going on in our community, in our culture right now, and it's, it's frankly, it's hard to believe for many of us. How did we get to this point? How, how is this all this happening and how is it going on all at once? What good is really now bad in our culture? And we look at this and we're taking blow after blow and we're looking back going, how is this happening? What are we going to do? I've got to stop and put my finger on this hole of the ship and then on this one and this one. There are so many sins in our community that I have to call out and stand up against. And as we're doing all of these things, our own besetting sins are back here in the darkness. Keeping us from the victories that God would have us to have. Friends, if you want to see righteousness in your community, it starts with righteousness in our own hearts. It's where it must begin. If we are going to be equipped and fit for battle, a battle that is real, a battle that is coming against an enemy who is, who is stopping at nothing to take us out, if we want to be equipped and ready for that, we must first examine our own hearts Confess our sins going from darkness into light. I'm much more scared of giving the enemy a stronghold in my, for my sin than I am for sharing my sin with a brother in Christ. Do not let the lies of the enemy keep you from confessing your sins and moving on and having victory. If we want to know what the answer is to the evil that is happening in our world, it starts with the evil that we've allowed to grow in our hearts. That's where it starts, even in the church. You know, pornography addiction is just as prevalent almost in the church as it is outside of the church. But then we see all these things and we speak up against it, but so many people in the church are clicking on that image and won't tell the soul. And as long as they won't tell a soul that struggle that they're going in, the enemy just keeps them in the darkness and keeps the stronghold. Maybe it's addiction to something else. Maybe you're treating your spouse lousy behind closed doors and then wondering what is going on in this world. 
we must get right with the Lord ourselves, pulling the plank out of our own eyes so that we can be effective in this battle against our enemy. Every besetting sin that is amongst our ranks is a stronghold of the enemy. And we have to confess them and move on. Maybe you're sitting here and you're yet to accept Jesus to be your Lord and Savior. Or maybe you're watching online because somebody asked you to and for some reason you've made it this long. Good job. And Jesus is yet to be your Lord and Savior. You've yet to put your faith in Him. Can I tell you, you have no chance against the enemy. You don't. You will be defeated. You will not see victory against the enemy outside of Christ. But in Christ, you will have a victory. Both the, the eternal victory and eternal glory, but even the present day victory over sin in your life. And the devastation that comes with the sin. We're going to close in a minute. And as we do, I'm going to encourage you. Believer, confess your sin to one another. Confess your sin to one another. Ask the Lord to forgive and move from the darkness into the light. Listen, we, this is the third time I've given this sermon. And I've said it to every group, and I'll say it to this one. If everybody in just this room, let alone all of you watching online, if every one of us would just confess our sins and, and take and remove that stronghold from our lives and step into Christ, I believe we would see revival start to happen. I believe we would see revival to start happening. Friends, it really is that simple. Sometimes it's that first act of bravery where you say, you know what, I don't want to do this, but I'm going to do it. And God does incredible things in your life. We're going to close in kind of a strange and awkward way today. I see a couple of deacons, and you have no idea I'm going to do this, but I'm going to ask some of the deacons and staff to kind of come up in the front, and we're going to give you an opportunity to come forward and ask for prayer. That prayer might be, you know what, you don't, you don't necessarily have to in this context come up and say every sin you've ever committed, but you might come up and just say, hey, I'm struggling with something, will you pray for me? And listen, we, we're going to do that. If you're online, you can email the church and just let us know what it is that you need prayer for. And I'll tell you, we will as a staff be praying for you. If you have yet to accept Jesus to be your Lord and Savior, there is no better time than right now to come forward and ask for prayer. There's nothing we would rather do than to pray for you in that way. I'm going to pray and then we're going to dismiss. And like I said, it's kind of an awkward departure. Some of you want to come forward for prayer and others are just going to depart and that's okay. Let's pray. God, thank you for this day. Thank you for your word and for your truth. Thank you for your victory as we step from darkness into light and the promises that come when we do that, that we can have victory over those besetting sins, those things that we keep turning back to that we can't break the stronghold on. God, you can break that stronghold as soon as we step into the light. God, I pray for courage and bravery for those who are in this room and those who are online who are listening to these words, who know, they know that there's that thing that they can't quite loosen themselves from. Give them the courage and bravery to come forward, to confess their sins and ask for prayer. For those who have not been yet put their faith in you as Lord and Savior, God, give them the courage. You have them listening to this sermon. 
You, you knew the number of the days, the number of hair on their head, and you knew about this time and place right now where they were going to hear the good news of your cross. God, I pray your Holy Spirit will guide and direct and help us to ha- be brave and courageous, Lord, and step from darkness into light. God, we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.